0: morning
1: this is not the sermon passage I would have ever <laughs> chosen to preach yeah first of all it's James and sometimes James has great sorry Shelley. <laughs> James has James is amazing okay but he bites <laughs> he bites at your ankles and he bites at your soul and today guess what we're biting. Sandy, thank you for your help with this. Um, I never knew that six and stones could look so nice. But you know, i beginning to think about this. The, the first thing that came to my mind is something I was told when I was a kid. Six and stones may break your bones, but words can never hurt you. One of its earliest appearances—that phrase—is said to have appeared in the Christian Recorder of March 1862. It is a publication of the African Methodist Episcopal Church, where it was presented as an old adage in 1800s. It was an old adage, and a publica- I'm sorry, um, and, but it was re- reported in this form. It said, "Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never break me." It reported, you know, again, it, it reported this as saying it was an old adage. And we tell our children that. I hear even today as, as I ta- hear people talking to their kids, especially when they get in the arguments, and you've heard those arguments, right? He said this, she said that. And I've heard parents across the country say, sticks and stones are going to break your bones, but words will never hurt you. Uh, I've broken bones before. And they cast them, they splint them, they do those types of things, and over a period of time, the bone heals. And, and in reality, sometimes it's that space that's broken is even stronger because of the, 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 the calcium and everything that builds up. It, it makes that space a little bit stronger. But there are some things that people say That have, they've said to me that they haven't broken my bones, but they've broken my spirit. And they hurt, and they can hurt for a long time. I know that many of you in your lives have had profound impact, both positively and negatively. Having words spoken into you. You have gotten great joy from those words, but you've also had great pain by the words of people in your past. Words are incredibly powerful. We've all said things that we've been aware might have been wrong, inappropriate, hurtful, or mis uh and for a millisecond between the words leaving our mouth and we watch those words go in slow motion across the room into the ears of the person who hears them we want to snatch them up really quick because we know as soon as it left our mouth we should have never said it but we can't take it back I'm sure every one of us has a word or a phrase somewhere in our memory banks that was spoken to us. Perhaps by a parent, a spouse, or someone very close to us. Or maybe you were the one who spoke those words that caused pain. For me, it was a guidance counselor. In senior high, my last year, she looked at me and said, because of a couple choices I made, That I would be nothing in life. I would be an absolute nothing the rest of my life. Now, it did two things to me. One, it made me... Because I'm going to tell you something that not many people know. I'm stubborn. (laughs) You you knew that? (laughs) There is a stubborn streak in me. And because she said I wouldn't succeed, I did everything in my power to prove her wrong. And not only did I do that, I went to see her every time I had a success and reminded her what she said. (laughs) But you know, even today, when things are going wrong, I hear that voice in the back of my head that says that you're not going to be anything. You're a failure. I'll give you a sneak preview of the rest of the sermon. It's when I hear that and recognize I'm hearing that voice that I have to hear God speaking louder saying, you are incredibly made. You can do anything that you set your mind to. You are capable of doing all things. Philippians 4.13 tells me that. And I have to hear that so that it drowns out that noise that's still there for a bunch of years. Okay? <laughs> I don't need to give you any more examples probably than that because you know them. The fault of this happening is not in the stars. It just wasn't meant to hear that so that I would do certain things. The fault is right there with us in our mouths. It is us not, as James told us, taming our tongue. James 1 says not many of you should become teachers my fellow believers because you know that who you teach will be that those who teach will be judged more strictly any of y'all who are teachers that should scare the bejeebies out of you and I think what James is trying to say is, is that your words the words that you teach what, you, what you're saying is life transformational. Because unlike that adage, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Words change lives. Coming from a biblical tradition which was verbal. I mean, we think about, you know, everybody had a Bible, right? Not the early Christians. (laughs) I mean, there were some some scrolls and things out there but but most of what happened was oral so if we put that in James in context of the fact that what was being taught what was being shared about the presence and the person of God was being spoken James is saying if you're a teacher you will be judged this verse is a very sobering warning for me and for others that on account of this greater privilege and responsibility that I have as a teacher, God will hold me and you to a higher standard. Quite frankly, I wish that verse wasn't there. But it is, and I know it applies to me and to some of you. So what followers, however, uh, what follows, however applies to us all, so that I want you to hear James 3.9. Okay? I want you to hear these words. With a tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have become made, or who have been made in God's likeness. Verse 2 says, We all stumble in many ways. If any of us had never was at fault in what we said, we would be perfect. And there ain't one of us perfect around here. So we have to recognize that, that we are going to, to mess up. But it is up to you and me to hold in check the words that we say. And when we say those other words, we need to be accountable for it. The tongue is so small. Compared to other organs in the body, it is, it is really minuscule. But it causes great damage. You see, that's James' point when he rattles off three very quick examples to illustrate the dead, the deadliness and the disappointing power of the tongue. In verse 3, he says, a small bit in a horse's mouth can turn the biggest stallion. You know, with horses, the way that they will control them is put a bit in their mouth and they turn their head with the bit. That's the way our tongue is. A small rudder can control the biggest ship. I remember going on my first cruise and realizing that that dude was going to put that huge ship in that small slip. And all he was using was really small amounts of energy. Verse 6, James says, The tongue also is a fire, a word of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Gee,
2: thanks, James! James!
1: We all have a tongue problem. We all have that issue. Think about that for a second, though. The tongue is also a fire. A year or so ago, it was only a small touch of a napkin to a candle that set a napkin on fire. And it almost consumed the napkin. (laughs) Some of you remember that. (laughs) But I think out in the, on the west coast, all of the fires that have happened, some of them just simply, I know of one that a friend of mine was telling me about. Somebody was out motorbiking in a very dry area and a spark came off of the bike and set a fire. Our tongues are like that, my friends. As small as it is, it can cause a lot of damage. The harmful, ungodly things that we say hurt us so many times. Listen to these words of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 22, uh, and we're going to go to 37. Matthew, uh, Jesus says, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of your heart your mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil one brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that a man will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word that is spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. Oh! Thank you, Jesus! You see, I believe that we're living in a a time along the time continuum. We're living in a time where we believe that if we have something to say, we have a right to say it. And it doesn't really matter who it might hurt or, or what might be the outcome of our words. But I'm here to tell you, folks, we have a right to say it, but with that right comes a responsibility. A responsibility to curtail or to, 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 to Che- put in check the words that we say. We do not have a right to say something to intentionally hurt others. A few sermons ago I told you that I just kind of stayed away from, I started fasting from the news because it was just driving me crazy. I still do that every so often because I just get so overwhelmed. Not with what's going on. I want to know what's going on in the world because I can pray and prayer makes a difference. But I really don't care what other people think about it. (laughs) Especially when it's hurtful. The problem for us is not outside of us. The problem is not with our family. It's not with our boss. It's not with the government. The problem, my friend, is with our hearts. We all have a heart problem, which reveals why we all have a tongue problem. Our tongues merely act as thermometers, showing the world the temperature of our heart. Our bodies are not unlike computers. By themselves, computers do very little. I mean, think about it. Without the programming, this computer, and it is a computer, is useless. But once you insert programming code into the computer, things start happening. Now, most people think that I was like among dinosaurs when I was a kid. You know, we actually went around and carved on stone tablets. Right, guys? Wrong. In computer world, we were among the, the dinosaurs because I had a Commodore at school. Ooh, <laughs> It had zero RAM memory. <laughs> when you turned it off, it forgot. So if you got everything in the computer and didn't save it on those floppies, (laughs) okay, the big ones, then it was gone. I used to love programming Commodores. I took a class in school on how to program Commodores to get it to do certain things. And it was a challenge for me because unlike today, you couldn't speak to the computer and it would type for you. You actually had to physically put in all of the characters, all of the numbers, all of the symbols, all of that stuff. And when it was good, it worked beautifully. When it was bad, you just didn't get it. There was a little error that said system error. I hated those words. When I put in good things, the computer gave me good results. I came up with some amazing drawings, some amazing animation, just by simply putting in good code. But when I put bad things into the computer, it gave me garbage. If we put good things in, I think James is telling us. If we immerse ourselves in those things which are good, our tongue will speak good. But if we put trash in, trash will come out. James says, Jesus says, if you are only filling your mind with rubbish, with evil, what's going to come out? Rubbish. Evil. But my friends, the Bible has a different option. In Proverbs, chapter 13, verse 3, it says, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Ephesians 4.29 Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits for the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear it. Proverbs 18.19 A brother who has been insulted is harder to win back than a walled city. An argument separate people like a, buried, a buried, buried gate of a palace. Proverbs 10.20 says, The words of a good person are like pure silver, but an evil person's thoughts are worth very little. Proverbs 11.17 says, With your soul, When your soul is nourished, when you are kind, but destroy yourself when you are cruel, 1 Peter three nine says, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to do this, you were called also that you might inherit a blessing. My favorite, Proverbs 16.24. Kind words are like, do you know what it is? Honey. Sweet to the soul. And healthy for the body. You see, our heart problem is closely linked to our identity problem. We forget whose we are. We forget who owns us. We forget who created us. We forget who we really are. We are children of the Most High God. We are children who have been called by God to be blessings to the world. We are people who have been called to change positively the world. We have been given a heart of God so that we might share that heart with the world. So, it's not just enough to say when we mess up that we're going to work harder to control the tongues. The words we say can never make us right with God. In the same way as an apple on a tree doesn't make the tree an apple tree, it is the very nature of an apple tree that makes the fruit an apple. It's not the fruit that makes the tree. It is the tree that makes the fruit. The fruit of the apple tree or the pear tree or, the, or whatever tree, the olive tree, bears witness to what the tree is. Now, I have friends that can walk into an orchard and it drives me crazy because they can look at an apple tree and a peach tree with nothing on them, just trees and tell me which is which. Drives me insane. I need fruit. <laughs> and I'm smart enough, believe it or not, to see if I see an apple, I know that's an apple tree. It is not a pear tree. And if there's a peach on this tree, guess what? It's a peach tree. The world looks at us that way. We can say that we're Christians all we want. We can say that we're followers of Jesus Christ all we want. But if people are looking at us without any fruit, and we say that, then they might believe us. But, unfortunately, we continually produce fruit every day by what we say, what we do, especially by what we say. We'll go back to James. With a mouth, one curses and praises God at the same time. So, what are we? What fruit are we sharing? We need the very nature of our hearts to change, my friends. We need to understand whose we are who we are, why we have been created, why we have been put together as the church. We need the very nature of our hearts to change so that out of the overflow of that of our hearts, it is not pride-filled boasting but words of grace and kindness and gentleness and love and encouragement and joy that come out of our mouths. So What do we do? I wish I could tell you that you could count to ten and it would be all better. I have been in situations where I've wanted to say something. Oh, Lord, I wanted to say something. I can't tell you how much I wanted to say something. And I knew it was wrong. And I remember that old adage, count to ten, it'll be better. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, I want eleven, twelve. I remember one day I got up to 50 and still wanted to say it. What do you do with that? My cousin, who was more like a sister to me, was with me that day. And <clears throat> don't tell anybody. I know this is recorded, but don't tell everybody about anybody. The person I wanted to say it to was my bishop. She said two things to me. The first one she said was, what would God say right now? Ooh. That cleared me up, okay? Because God would not have said what I wanted to say to the bishop. And the second was, do you like your job? <laughs> I do. But I loved the way that she ordered that. It wasn't, do you want to keep your job First, the question was, what would God say? You see, as we allow God into our lives, as we continue, as John Wesley said, to move toward perfection. Remember that whole thing? prevenient grace? That grace that comes before our relationship with God? Or it's the grace that keeps us from going so far that we can't come back? Justifying grace, that that grace that at the moment that we say yes to the relationship with God and we come back to God who wants and loves us so much. And then he said, sanctifying grace. That grace that God gives us to move to perfection. As we live in the process of sanctification, remembering who we are, whose we are, then we will be better able to give words of hope and kindness. So the solution is not working harder. We've got to let God work from the inside out. Lord, don't fix my tongue right now. Fix my heart. Draw me closer to you, God. Let my mind reflect on you. Acknowledge that you have a heart problem and admit to God that you need the Holy Spirit to be transforming you from the inside out more and more into the image that Jesus would have you be. Tell some of your friends about your tongue problem and ask them to hold you accountable. In our office at United Methodist Men, we have a rule. It's unspoken, but we have a rule. When somebody has a particularly hard (coughs) situation, a client or somebody who was called in, and they just really want to, to get short and maybe they say something that's not totally inappropriate but was right on the edge... Our unwritten rule is that if we hear it, we'll go and talk to them and encourage them that we knew that it was a hard situation, but are there other ways that we could have handled that? And the great thing about having seven people in the office, if you start getting frustrated, and this is one of our fixes, send them to somebody else so that you can breathe. Have a friend to be accountable to we all have a tongue problem which is related to our heart problem our tongue is not is not a thermostat that controls our heart it works the other way out of our hearts we speak so the tongue is not a thermostat it's a thermometer It's a thermometer that says where we are at that particular point in time and our words confirm we are great sinners many times. (laughs) There's a song that a Southern Gospel group, and I have no idea how I ever got hooked on this song, but I listen to it like four or five times a day. It's by a group called the Mart named Martins. And it's um, it's called Shut the Door excuse me, Shut the Door, Keep Out the Devil. I really believe, my friends,
2: that's what we need to do
1: sometimes. As we get the garbage coming into our mouth, our tongue is so strong that it begins to be affected by what comes in and what comes in goes out. The problem is it just doesn't affect us. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will cause harm. So may our words be tempered through Jesus Christ who is a great Savior. Allow Christ to come into your lives, our lives, Allow Christ to change your heart. Allow Christ to be the thermostat of your tongue that will control your tongue. Allow Christ to open you up, not to speak words of harm but to speak words of praise, to speak words of growth, to speak words of hope to God's people. Sticks and stones can break your bones. So if you didn't get them before you, as you came into the sanctuary today, Out in the North area, there are some sticks and stones. I would encourage you to take a stick and a stone home with you. Or maybe to work with you. Or wherever you have the hardest time controlling your tongue. Put it in a place that will remind you sticks and stones may break your bones, but harm words will never break you, as it was in the 1800s, is a lie. Words do harm. Negative words do harm. But God's words, God's presence, God's spirit in us can overflow, and our words can be sweet as honey, changing the lives of people that we encounter. May God, my friends, use you to be instruments of God's praise, God's hope, God's love, God's forgiveness, God's acceptance, and God's power to this world that desperately needs it. Amen.
0: As we reflect on those words, let's stand and sing together. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take myself and I will be ever, only,
1: all for Thee. Take my life, O oh Lord. My hands, my feet, my mind, my soul, my, my very being, and my tongue. And let it be used to glorify You. As you go forth from this place, remember that words are powerful. Use them seasoned by God's love. Use them seasoned by God's grace. Remember that God loves you and wants to use you in mighty ways. So go forth and serve the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be the hands, the feet, and the mouth of Christ in this world. Amen.
0: Amen. You're dismissed. Go with God this week.